Hey, everybody, it's Bernsey. The excitement around this year's Diamondbacks team is at an all-time high. So what roster decisions still need to be made for the NL champs? It's the Burns and Gambo Show, and it starts at straight up 2 o'clock. All right, hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. D-backs baseball really kind of got started yesterday. Wolf first spring training game next Friday. Joined right now on the Arizona Sports Line by D-backs legend Luis Gonzalez. Gonzo, what's going on, man? What's going on, fellas? <laughs> How you doing, Gonzo? <laughs> We're pretty doing jacked great. up. Doing yeah, great. yeah, man. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it, my friend. Of course. Gonzo, I'll just start here. I mean, this time of year is always exciting, I'm sure, for players and coaches and the manager and, and certainly for fans. Um, what was it like, though, for you the year after you guys won the World Series? Not quite the same. D-backs didn't win the World Series last year, but you know, the, the spring training the year after you guys won it all. Uh, same way, a lot of enthusiasm, excitement. Uh, you know, our team obviously back then was a little bit older. These are these guys are young and full of energy. Uh, they have all reported to camp early. These guys are chomping at the bit. They had a you know, kind of a exciting year, but a bad taste in their mouth the way it ended. And uh, you know, when you get to the dance and uh, you want to win it all, and and just to fall just a little bit short left a bad taste. These guys are all excited and uh, and very hungry and eager to get the season started again. Gonzo, as an analyst of the game of baseball, of course, and a guy that loves the game, when you look at the Diamondbacks in the 2024 summer coming up, what are you bullish on? What what do you what what are, what is it you can't wait to see? Uh, just the progression of all the new uh, the new guys we just added. You know, you got Eduardo Rodriguez now, another left-hander. You added into the rotation. You picked up a a very steady power hitting. Eugenio Suarez, uh, who's an everyday player, guy answered the bell 162 times last year. Um, that's you know guys like that. You uh, you know then you had the rookie of the year last year, and Corbin Carroll had a fantastic year. A lot of young players had good years, and now um, there's no more. Um, you know these guys are young. Let's see, they're maturing now. They've all been there now. Alec Thomas, Corbin Carroll, uh, guys like that. And you're expecting these guys to all go out there and have another good year, steady year. They've got that experience now being in a big games. And uh, you hope that they can all stay injury-free and carry them back again. I know the Dodgers have gone out and spent a lot of money, but uh, that doesn't always uh, come out to wins. And we saw that last year. Our team was steady Eddie, played well early in the season, hit a little rut there. But at the end of the year, they got hot at the right time and ended up carrying them into postseason play. We're talking to Luis Gonzalez. Uh, Gonzo, do we make too much of, of the impact that heightened expectations could have? I mean, these guys were just in the World Series last year. Over the course of the season, does that really weigh on a team, or is it something you do have to intentionally manage? No, I think you have to manage it a little bit. I think, you know, you, you had so many young players, they were under the radar, uh, a lot of them, and now they've put themselves in the forefront. I mean, uh, people on the East Coast and Midwest didn't know a lot about Corbin Carroll until they played against him and then realized how good this kid really was. And then a guy like Marte, who really stepped up in postseason play and, you know, uh, played as well as he did. And some of the young pitchers, a thought guy that was, 
you know, went up and down last year. And then when it came time to uh, postseason play, he really stepped up his game and was a very pivotal part of this team. So a lot of these guys who, you know, you were hoping can can uh, play a little bit above expectations. Now they've set the bar so high that they're going to be expected to go out there and play with a lot more consistency. Now you can't go out there and say, well, they're young. They made those mistakes. And, uh, you know, it's to be expected because they're young players. Well, they played in the biggest game you could play in, which is the World Series. So a lot of these guys gained a lot of maturity, a lot of experience, and you're hoping that that carries over for the next few years to come with uh, with the age of the, a lot of these players. No doubt about it, Gonzo. That is so important right there, and I know you know this as a young guy, to know that you belong here. The confidence that I think was gained by a lot of these young guys last year I think is going to be significant. Was, was there a point in your career, my friend, where – you knew you could do the job. What, was there a moment in your career where you knew it? Oh, my goodness. I can do this. I belong here. I can do it. And how much better did it make you? Well, I think I think today's generation of players are so much different. They have a lot more, uh, you know, they follow a lot more on all the, the NFL network, the MLB network, uh, all the social media, all the radio stations, everybody. They're not. Uh, you know, there's not like two channels on TV where these young players can watch and, uh, you know, watch from afar. Now these guys have so many different outlets that they could follow teams and players. And when they get here, there's no more uh, really intimidation factor. They feel like they can get here and they can play. Uh, you're seeing a lot more young, mature players coming out of college. Uh, very few, but some out of high school that really come in and make a huge impact right out of the gates. So, these guys are bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, uh, and they have a lot more knowledge of the game. And a lot more guys are coming up to the big leagues that are throwing a lot harder. So these guys really, there, there is no more off season where you come into camp, you try to, you know, work yourself into shape. You better come into camp ready to go because, you know, you get here and all of a sudden you're playing games right away. There's no more two or three weeks where, you know, you're doing the little sprints here and there and you kind of, you know, I got I got ten days to go before I got to be ready. Now you got to come in and compete once you get here because there's so much competition. Talking to Luis Gonzalez, Gonzo. This it feels weird to ask this question after the season he just had, but I, I just genuinely want to know the answer. And I don't know if anybody knows, but what what does Corbin Carroll improving look like this season? Well, just to give you an example of the type of player this guy is. Uh, He's been here since day one where they've allowed them to come to the ballpark. <laughs> He's here early. Um, late in the afternoon, all the guys were gone, and he was still here. I walked in and uh, asked him what he was still doing here because, you know, it's been a long day. And he said, just trying to get better. And I kind of scratched my head, and I walked out, and I said, if this guy's trying to get better, <laughs> he, he couldn't get any better than what he did last year. So, I mean, it just kind of, it goes to show you how valuable he is to this team. Um, this guy will ultimately be the best player to ever put on a Diamondbacks uniform. And the way he carries himself on the field, off the field, everything is just so valuable to our organization. He's proved that. All the young kids, it's so exciting to go around the city now and see everyone wearing the, the number seven jersey around, just as they do in basketball wearing Booker and how they did with, you know, Fitzgerald and guys like that. So uh, it's an exciting time for our team. We have so many great young players. You know, we have a young, you know, young catcher too that is uh, extremely 
popular now that uh, everybody is counting on and Gabriel Moreno. He's another young player that, um, you know, a lot of big things, high expectations. Nobody knew about him last year. He came in the trade with Guriel and uh, through a trade or uh, through the trade and through an injury in spring training, he was forced into the forefront and did a fantastic job mm-hmm. for us and look at the kind of year he had. So um, there's a lot of positivity here. We've got a lot of great young players. Not every one of these guys that uh, are coming through the minor leagues going to have a chance to get to the majors, but they're right on the cusp of getting there. Going to be a, a strong double A AA and triple A team for us this year, and they'll all be ready to go. And if something happens in the big leagues, they'll be ready to get up here and make a contribution to the ball club. Gonzo, look forward to seeing you, buddy. Thank you so much for Thanks, your time. Gonzo. You got it, guys. Your penthouse is up here waiting on you. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Talk to you later, dude. That's awesome. Uh, Luis Gonzalez joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. That Corbin Carroll story is, is great that he threw in there at the end. We'll, we'll get back into that later. We need in the show, to but, rip that, yeah. rip that part of what he said. Just that full quote. Again. And just, yeah, we just play that for like the final hour of the show. Uh, when we come back, wild night at Footprint Center last night. And uh, in the middle of all of it, how was Monty Williams received in his return to Phoenix? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's Vince coming up on Friday. We'll get you ready for Mac McClung and his defense of his slam dunk title in Indianapolis. God help us. Bickley Murata mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We like to play a lot of calm music on this show. It's pretty yeah. calm, right? This is calm. Not bad too. I know I brought this up last time we played this, but you you have not ever watched the Bear, right? The show, the, um, the show about Chicago. No, I have not. It's not about Andre Turney, who will join us later on in the show. Okay. A different Bear. Yeah, okay, good show. But this is the opening scene. This this is really good right here. If you want to get ready to play a football game as well, just saying. Uh, Monty Williams was back at the Footprint Center last night. I mean, when when the schedule originally came out. You looked at it, and you were like, okay, oh, hey, February 14th. Okay, well, the Suns are going to be hosting the Pistons. That's Monty Williams' return. It'll probably be kind of like a, you know, a bittersweet reunion. Oh, everybody will be hugging, and oh, what a, okay, Monty's back. But, you know, it was time for, for him to move on and for us to move on. But we love everything he did. And isn't this, Instead, there was a fight where somebody got arrested, one of the players, before the game, and then Devin Booker got tossed five minutes in. Yeah. So not quite the love fest <laughs> you may have been anticipating. No, you're right about that, honestly. And, of course, uh, we all love Monty Williams, do we not? It was great to see him once again. I hope he's going to be able to turn around the Pistons, of course, and things are going to get a whole lot better. He won an awful lot of games in his tenure here as the head coach of the Phoenix Suns, and I wish him well. Dude, <laughs> the, uh, the, that game last night, though, with Booker getting tossed, and they were still up 70-41 to 41 at halftime, Yes, and they didn't have Beal already. Like Detroit's got some stuff to to work on, obviously. I mean, they lost 28 games in a row earlier this season. But yeah. I, I, they, well, they've won nine on the season, Ron Wolfley reporting. Yeah, well, they they were playing a little bit better going into last night, but they, uh, they did not obviously give the Suns much of a challenge last night. Here's Monty before the game talking about the emotions surrounding his return. It's just it's a different deal just because of the relationships here. The people that I got to work with, I got to coach um, where I was at the time, you know, getting an opportunity to come here and, and coach 
you know, the partnership I had with the players here and in particular Devin. And then the stuff that happened off the floor for my family, you know, I thought about it a little bit last night when I was, we were going to the hotel and, you know, you see a hospital where your, you know, child was treated. And then when we left, you know, my wife had a situation, all that stuff, you know, was a part of the journey. And I just think about how blessed I was to, to coach um, here in this city and coach this team and all the stuff that happened here was was a huge, huge uh, treat for me and my family. And I just had a great sense of gratitude. And, you know, there's also the competitiveness that comes out. It's, it's just the range of emotions, you know what I mean? Um, I was blessed to be here and I'm just thankful for the opportunity that I and, and the staff that was with me got. Um, here in this city with this organization. Yeah, you know, just a class act, Monty Williams, of course. I I would still venture a guess that his Q rating is exceptionally high here in Phoenix. I mean, honestly, you you ask anybody, yeah, it didn't work out here. Yeah, there was disappointment. There's no doubt about it. When you talk about a guy, what, 194 in 115 record when he was here? And at 27 and 16, I believe, in the postseason playoffs. I, I mean, this is a guy that won an awful lot of games. I, I'm not saying he was perfect when he was here, but to me now, looking back on those four years, and, and I, I think it's important to look back with the perspective of all the years that the Phoenix Suns had preceding Monty Williams. And then there was, hey, he's probably going to go to the Lakers. Oh, okay, actually, he's choosing the Suns. And then all of a sudden, everything started to to slip into place. I think you have to tell that part of the story, too. Otherwise, you do kind of lose perspective of of how good of a job he did when he was here. Because to me, looking back, the the one negative moment that stands out is obviously that Dallas series. And and I just think back even on this show, Wolf, there there was a few times that year where I was like, Man, this team, I hope they never have to break this team up. I remember saying to you, sitting in this chair, like, they will eventually, but I hope it's like five or six or seven years away, right? And that was in 2021. They're all gone except Booker. All of them. Monty Williams is in Detroit, and he's not thriving right now. They, they what are they, 8-45? and 45? DeAndre Ayton's in Portland. He's not thriving. He's His last couple games have been good, but he's they're talking about how much they want to get rid of him in Portland. Chris Paul in Golden State's not even playing right now. Yeah. Mikel Bridges is doing well in, in Brooklyn, but Brooklyn's not. They just lost by 50 last night. They're probably not even going to make the play-in. Cam Johnson, same thing. Like It's it's just weird that, that that team was not that long ago. Like You and I haven't been doing the show that long. and <laughs> We were talking about that team, and it, it feels like it's 100 years ago now because they're all spread out over the league. Yeah, you know, it's just so weird, um, once again, to see Monty Williams there. And I, I think of the finals. I think of the NBA finals, man. I think of that. And there they are winning the first two games. Do you think Monty Williams, had he won, had he won that, won a world championship, do you think he'd still be the head coach here? There's no doubt in my mind he would still be the head coach, Yeah, in I, my I, opinion. I think you're right, but I won't go 100% just because new ownership, new front office, I don't know. Maybe Monty was kind of like, okay, I've done what I can do here. I, I don't know. I don't know how much DA you know, burned him out or vice versa, <laughs> but but I, I do. I, I mean, ultimately, I think you're right. It would have been weird if he won the championship and then was gone the next year. Yeah, that would have been strange. Yeah. Or I a couple that, years later. Yeah, honestly, I, I do. I, I think it would be really, really hard to convince everybody that he's not the right guy for the job after you went out there and won, especially if you're going to give him players like Bradley Beal 
and Kevin yeah. Durant. I'm just sure. saying, oh, it's it's a hypothetical, of course, and um, I can't stand talking about it yet. At the same time, I know there are people out there that would wonder about that. Monty Williams, had he won that world championship, up 2-0 in the series against the Milwaukee Bucks, had he won that thing, I wonder if he's still here. Well, because after that, the next year they lose to Dallas. That's the one where it's like, okay, we still don't know. We still, it's still internal. Somebody was yelling at somebody. And then, and that then, much we know, right? The, yeah. Well, and then the it was funny. His answer last night to one of the questions was he didn't say it's internal, but like the Isaiah Stewart, Stewart stuff, he was kind of like he didn't give much of an answer. I was like, oh, this is kind of like when he was coaching after the Dallas series, uh, and then losing to Denver last year. I mean, look, it's frustrating and it's annoying, and you have Kevin Durant and everything, but I, I think it's. You can accept that to a certain extent because of the run that Denver was on. It's the Dallas series that's still just, it, it, it's never going to process for me how they lost that series the way they lost it. Here's more from uh, Monty pregame last night talking about how different the Suns are already. I mean, it's different when I watch, you know, I've I watched so many games and I watch a lot of Phoenix games because of, you know, him and Josh and guys I've coached. Yeah, it's a little bit different, but... You know, you still see Jay down there in the corner. You know what I mean? It's that stuff kind of brings you back home. Um, I still am in communication with a number of people here. This place is a special place to me, man. So even though the basketball side of it is what it is, um, I try not to lose sight of the human side of it and the relationships that were formed. And again, I can't express enough gratitude for what I was able to be a part of while here in Phoenix. So they had a video tribute, did they not? Did they have that video tribute? <laughs> you tell me, Wolf. How <laughs> <laughs> was you that KD one, by the way? Man, I'll tell you, it was great, man, that KD. We got KD, ain't that something? Um, they, what if that was the whole tribute, tribute just DA saying that? <laughs> just remixed. Yeah, you know, uh, they honored him with a video tribute. I did not see it. Um, but, you know, as they should have, once again, I think it's a class move by the Phoenix Suns for a class guy in Monty Williams. He was, he was the coach of... Uh, one of my favorite Suns teams of all time, maybe, maybe, probably actually is, and I'm guessing a lot of Suns fans feel that way, where even if even if that team that went to the finals that was like we were hoping they'd go to the playoffs and they went all the way to the finals, even if that's not your favorite Suns team of all time, it's one of your like top two or three, and he was the coach, you know? So it's, it's not like he went and he's, he's coaching Dallas now or something. He's coaching Detroit. You see him twice a year, and unfortunately for Mahoney, those right now are two pretty pretty certain wins. I would agree with you on that, too. That is my my favorite team, Suns team right now, and it was because of how they played the fourth quarter, too. Yeah. Yep, and I just remember, like I said, saying, hey, I hope they'll break this up, and they had to completely break it up in the span of, like, eight minutes. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, Marvin Harrison Jr. is starting to get a reputation as almost being a unanimous Prospects. We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The NFL Draft. News on number four. Draft coverage. Live, local, late breaking. All right, Field Yates put out his uh, his mock draft. Field Yates entering the conversation with mocks. Where was Graham Barton? Uh, in his mock. You know, I usually actually do look because I'm 
Yeah. 26th to Tampa. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Field, no. Don't do that. Uh, boy, he Number really, 26. He really seems to like Graham Barton, too. Have you ever heard of this guy? Yeah, I yeah. have, as a matter of fact. He is, from Duke. Came out of nowhere. He has the, uh, the Cardinals taking J.C. Latham, the tackle out of Alabama, at 27. Okay, well, you know, the offensive lineman, I like that. I've, I've seen him. I uh, like big butts <laughs> and I cannot lie. <laughs> Will you please? <laughs> I mean, just because I do believe in building from the line of scrimmage, unless you're talking about generational players, yes, I'm sorry. I do like offensive linemen and defensive linemen. Some bad dudes on the field. It is a very, very violent game on the field. Is it not, J.G.? Quickly becoming one of my favorite drops on this show, and we've had it for a while, but the more we play it, the more I like it. Because Aaron's doing like nine things back there. But you yeah. say something about offense. She just hits it, and then she keeps going back to her nine things. She doesn't say anything. Yeah. She's just like, here you go. Oh, Wolf's just, talking about alignment. She's being mouth, and of the, course. The best part of all this, of course, and I know I've told the story, but I'll tell it again because this was last week when we were in Vegas. Wolf and I get in the limo. And they got music on, obviously. Even that sentence alone is ridiculous. Yeah. You or I in a limo, but we're in the limo. Second song, Sir Mix-A-Lot. I like big <laughs> what are the odds that happens? What are the odds that happens? I was laughing the entire drive. The driver was probably like, what's this dude's problem? Yeah, I know. Like, I don't care. <laughs> uh, so, Field Yates also, at number four, stop me if you've heard this before, has the Cardinals taking Marvin Harrison Jr. And it got me thinking, Wolf. Man. Everybody has the Cardinals taking Marvin Harrison Jr. in these mock drafts if he's available. The only ones I have not seen the Cardinals taking... MHJ is if Chicago took him at, at you know trade down to three or may, I think I saw one where Chicago just took him at one which I think would be insane um, with the value you could get for that Caleb Williams uh, stock but um, it I, I don't remember a time and even if you want to set the Cardinals aside for a second where so many people are like no he's the best receiver no you you take him if he's there um, in fact Field Yates comments you know they do like the little paragraph right up first thing he says. Few pick projections are as straightforward as this one. As the receiver-needing Cardinals could land my top-ranked wideout in this class and one of the most highly regarded wideout prospects of the past handful of years. Um, See, this is what I continue to hear, Luke. This is the thing about it. Marvin Harrison Jr., that legacy matters. It really doesn't matter to me the type of person that you are for the most part. Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison. Man, I just love Marvin Harrison. Respect him greatly as a football player. All the things that I've heard about Marvin Harrison when he was a player and how quiet he went about his business. You mean senior. For the, uh, Colts, yes. Colts receiver, yeah. Right, yeah. Marvin Harrison. Right. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't go by the senior moniker. <laughs> he didn't. He was Marvin Harrison. That's who he was. And what an incredible player he was. Isn't that right, Peyton Manning? And because of that, I think his son has so many of these qualities in his own life. And I think that really is the reason, one of the reasons, why he is a generational player and why I don't think you can pass on a guy like that at number four. It just feels like everybody is in the danger zone as far as, hey, if the Cardinals can pick Marvin Harrison Jr., they're just going to do it, right? Like, nationally. Just read that right there. Field Yates. Few picks would be as straightforward as this one. We've heard a version of that in almost all of these mock drafts. It's not just that they all have the Cardinals taking the same player, which doesn't typically happen. It's 
Don't overthink it, Cardinals. Yes. This one's a no-brainer. This one's the obvious one. Of the first 32 picks in my mock draft, this is the one I didn't have to think about. Like, obviously, the Cardinals would take him, which makes me worried because there's always a plot twist. Yeah, there is. And not only that, speaking of being worried about this as well, um, I have not seen, this is just me, I have not seen a mock draft yet where the first non-quarterback taken in that mock draft isn't Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, I haven't seen no, it. I haven't either. And I've, uh, I feel like I've looked at a lot of mocks this year more than usual. So it's just one of these situations. Again, listen, there's always the outlier brothers. There's always going to be a scout. There's always going to be a general manager. There's always going to be dissent. There's always going to be somebody who's going to see something differently than what all these other people see and assume. That has always been the case. It's what scouting is all about. It's one of the reasons why I think it's so cool. There are guys who never played the game of football, Basinonians, who are really good scouts. Isn't that weird? Guys, there are guys who, who played very little college football, if any, who are really good at determining who's going to be a good football player and who isn't. Isn't that odd? That's why I love it, scouting and standing on the table and saying, this guy you have to take. If we pass on him, we die, metaphorically speaking, of course. I'm waiting for the the first mock draft that comes out because you know there will be one as we get closer to April where somebody's just like, okay, I want clicks. Uh, Lad McConkie's the best receiver in this draft. Uh, But right now we're not hearing any of that. In fact, we're hearing a lot of this. This kid equally as business-like, as is that. He's all business, all about football, and he's going to be tremendous in that locker room practice field and certainly on game day. I think you're getting a, a day one, you know, true top-tier wide receiver. The guy who might be the best player in the entire draft. He's a stud. Oh, he's, he's great. I mean, truly great. You know, when you have that elite game-changer type, potential future Hall of Famer type player, um, you've got to snatch him up. Aaron just put that together. Mel Kuyper, Lance Zerline, Matt Miller, Larry Fitzgerald, Kyle Vandenbosch. <laughs> Jammed into 28 seconds. That's so good right there. You know, it, it's, it is. It's a situation where I have not seen anyone else being the first player that's, a, 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 that's not a quarterback. I've not seen any mock drafts where anybody has gone ahead of Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, that... That is odd at this point. Yeah. Now, I know, listen, uh, the You're combine right, matters, and not only that, uh, there's going to be a lot of subterfuge that's going to be out there. There's going to be a lot of teams that may think they have a shot at getting Marvin Harrison Jr. for whatever reason that might actually start leaking bad stories about him, like, you know what, he really isn't a clutch time player or something like that, yeah. right? You know, and then who did Ohio State play last year? And that, that's going to be, be one of them. Yeah, and then there's going to be other teams that will be out there just trying to throw stones at the sun. <laughs> and you know, if you stare at the sun too long, what happens? You start to see spots. And I think that also is something that is going to happen at some point. Is that, in time. that your new uh, G League team name submission? The spots, the spots, the Phoenix that's, spots. That's not bad at all. It's not nearly as good as the Phoenix Flares. I thought you were going to say the Phoenix Planets and try to steal Paulie's idea. <laughs> I'm, no, the planets are flushed. <laughs> All right, when we come back, speaking of the Suns, where do they stand at the All-Star break? 55 games in, 27 games to go in the regular season. Where can they get better? We'll get into all of it next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
Hey, it's Vince. Coming up on Friday, we'll get you ready for Mac McClung and his defense of his slam dunk title in Indianapolis. God help us. Bickley Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Can I just say right now, the Wolf and Luke show have maybe the best rejoins we've ever played in the history of the Wolf and Luke show. I don't even know how you'd measure that. I mean, these are, are, are just... Rejoin after rejoin after rejoin of excellence. Did you like pick these or something today? I feel like uh, these are kind of geared exactly. towards you. This is okay. what I'm saying right now. Well done. Uh, I also think, and this is what I thought you were going to say, we on the Wolf and Luke show need to buy Vince Murata a Mac McClung jersey because he seems really excited about Mac McClung in the All-Star Weekend. <laughs> Every time I we'll get right on that, that Vinny. This song makes you wish you had a ponytail. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no song Some that makes you wish Some long hair, man. <laughs> just tie it back. Hey, listen, brothers. Just don't put it up on top of your head like Aunt Mabel. Did okay? You, did you ever uh, used to dye your hair hey. with, with Kool-Aid like Kurt Cobain did? No. No? Okay. Hey. Um, the Suns are at the All-Star break. 33 and 22. 19 and 7 in their last 26 games. That's one of the best records in basketball uh, since Christmas. One of the very best records in basketball. So now you head into the All Star break. KD and Booker don't really get as much of a break because they're going, but everybody else gets a break except Bradley Beal, who probably has to see the trainers a lot because of the hamstring, hamstring thing and might have to get his nose fixed because of the nose thing. So Bradley Beal needs the break more than anybody. I don't know that he really gets like a vacation here in the middle of the season. But this is a pretty good time, well past the halfway point, Wolf, to kind of take stock of what we have seen from this team so far, the good and the bad. Yeah, you know, right now it's interesting, 19-7 and seven in their last 26 games, right? They, they have this thing going in the right direction. And really, really excited to see when they come back because, as you know, in March it's going to start heating up a little bit right now. Yeah. <laughs> the schedule gets much tougher in March, and I'm talking about playing against the best teams. They're starting to gel, right? We're seeing a little bit more consistency. And Royce O'Neal, I think, is going to be a huge difference maker. I do. For a guy that is a glue guy, I think he's going to make a big difference on this team going forward. I'm very excited. Now I realize it's a very small sample size, what we have seen here. But the guy is a pro, and he's got the right demeanor that this team needs, and they're only going to get better the more and more. That's the one thing we've seen with the big three. The more and more exposure they get to each other, the more Suns win games. Interesting. Did you see his plus-minus last night? Plus 37 for Royce O'Neal? Yes, so he's now led the Suns in plus minus all three of the games. All three. He has played. Plus 37 is not a joke either. Like plus 37 is. I think we ought to just go ahead also to and plus 30. I've never seen a plus 37. <laughs> I mean, you got to be playing the Pistons. You <laughs> just never seen it, man. It was 70 to 41 after three quarters, right? Yeah. 70 to 41. Can you imagine that right there? Yeah, we can imagine. That it. was at halftime, 70 to 41. A 70 to 41. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Uh, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, again, uh, the big three and the way the big three are playing, this is the most encouraging thing 
about what we've seen. Now, let's hope Bradley Beal is going to be fine. Yeah, um, that's 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 going to be the storyline, at least coming out of the All-Star break, though. Of course, start in Dallas against the Mavericks next Thursday, because why would you ever have the Suns do anything where they don't start against Luka? That seems to be how this just always goes. But 27 games to go. Um, we detailed this See, when... I want that game. That's not just any old game. No, me. no, no. <laughs> the Dallas Mavericks, right? To your point. When you say the Dallas Mavericks, it just would it would just figure it would be them. When uh, when they were going into the Bucks game last Tuesday, um, the one we watched up at Circa, right? They uh, that was thirty two games left at that point. And remember, the stat was fourteen of them are against the top seven teams in the NBA. That's right. Now I'd have to double check. I mean. The technical, you know, whatever definition of top seven teams in the NBA, one of those teams may have slid in or out of the top seven. But now you have 27 games left and 13 of them are against those teams, right? You got the, you've got another game against the Bucs. You've got the Celtics twice in there. You've got Denver twice in there. You get the Clippers twice in there. Like you've got some Oklahoma City twice. This stretch run for the Suns has to be the most difficult schedule in the NBA just based on opponents winning percentage because they are going to play the best teams in basketball for the final 27 games and you know we've we've looked at this before but I think it's worth repeating starting March 27th to close out the regular season they go Nuggets, Thunder, Pelicans Cleveland, Minnesota Pelicans again, Clippers, Clippers Kings, Timberwolves. Like that is you're probably playing 10 straight games against playoff teams as you head into the playoffs. Yeah. What do you want to see, Luke? What, what do you want to see this team improve the most right now? It's at the All-Star break, of course. They've done very, very well. Um, they've gelled uh, recently, I think. We could all say that and admit that. What do you want to see in regard to this team and where they get better? So health aside, right? That's just kind of a given. Of course, We'd like to see them. of course. The fourth quarter, the fourth quarter is still, and there's, I know there's a lot that goes into that, right? I mean, there's, there's, I'm not so worried about the Suns hitting big shots in the fourth quarter because when those three guys are healthy, plus you know, Grayson Allen's been been playing really well this season. Um, if we were giving away like All Star Break awards, it, Grayson Allen is definitely like biggest surprise. Um, I'm not worried about the Suns being able to to hit big shots, but. The defense is is big in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. Turnovers, however, I mean it's it's not the same thing every night. But like even last night, and you know last night's maybe not a fair example, but it's the most recent one. But they they still got outscored by fourteen in the fourth quarter. Now they were up by so much that none of their guys were playing. Right. But there are plenty of games this season where the Suns were up going into the fourth and they got outscored by double digits in the fourth and lost. Most of those earlier in the season. Yeah. But but still, it, it's. You said it earlier, like that team a couple of years ago, you got in the fourth quarter with the Suns, and if the game was close or you were losing to the Suns, you were done. And I, that, that to me right there, that's where I want to see the Phoenix Suns get better. That's where I want to see them get better on the defensive end of the floor when they must face an audience, when they have to. Now, you know, typically, when is that? It's Yeah, it's in the fourth quarter. But there might be a point where you come out of the half, you come out of the tunnel to start the third quarter. You want to shut somebody down and send a Sicilian message to your opponent by coming out and maybe you were waffling in the first half. Maybe you weren't playing well, whatever it may be. Mentally, to get inside the head of your opponent, whether it's individually or collectively, you want to come out of the tunnel in the third corner and ball. Be able to shut somebody down. You want to be able to do it when you need to do it. 
And for me, so much of the time that happens in the fourth quarter. To be more specific, fourth quarter on the defensive end of the floor, to see them come together and be able to win games consistently by doing so. I'll tell you one thing I do like about this team, and it has really developed over the last, let's say, month and a half. Basically, again, since Christmas, they don't they don't string losses together. You're going back now to, to December 25th. That's a really good point. They lose a game. Like, they lose to the Clippers on January 3rd. Okay, they beat Miami the next night. You know, you lose to Atlanta February 2nd. Okay, you beat Washington the next night. And then Milwaukee and then Utah. Lose to Golden State this past Saturday. You respond with wins over Sacramento and Detroit. They basically, if they lose a game, they might lose two in a row. Typically, they're playing the Clippers for one of those two games, it looks like. But for the <laughs> most part, they don't, they don't go on losing streaks. And, you know... They shouldn't if they have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal. They really shouldn't. But there's other teams in this league that have really good players that, you know, they'll kind of have a lull and they'll rattle off three or four or five straight losses before you realize what's going on. Uh, Kevin Durant actually talked yesterday about how much he likes the consistency the the, uh, the Suns are showing now. Yeah, I like the our togetherness has grown, you know, being more of a unit. Um, guys understanding their roles and what they bring to the team. I think around this time when you start to figure that out, that's always good. I like where our record is, being 11 games over 500. So that's a good that's a good milestone to have going to the break. And for the most part, everybody's healthy. You know, so uh, Brad got a couple tweaks, and hopefully he can get back right after All Star break. Uh, but I like how consistently we play games together the last month or so. And that's only one bow wear for, for us going forward. Mostly healthy, but then cut to a picture of Bradley you know, Beal with a busted nose and a hurt hamstring. Right. Everybody else is healthy. <laughs> you know, I, do, I, I love KD. You know how much I love <laughs> Kevin Durant, right? And I've already recanted on Kevin Durant. Correct? Yes. Yeah, so you did. Okay, yeah. everybody command and control. You all know. I, I have yeah, recanted. I think you did an actual, like, on, uh, I did. What, what did you <laughs> call recantation. it? Yeah, recant. Yeah, recantation. Yeah, I, I've actually done that, right? And at the same time, I'll, I'll say this. You know what your role is? How about this? You're a professional athlete. Your role is to be the best basketball player you can be, period. That's your role on this team. You know, I, I, I don't think you have to accept certain roles like, oh, you're you're the 3 and D guy. That's who you are. Oh, you're going to bring a little muscle to us. That's who you are. Forget about that. How about you just try to be the best basketball player you can possibly be? That's what I want to see this team do as well going forward. You know, not role players. We use that term, I know. We use it very generically much of the time to to talk about a guy who's a glue guy. But for me, I just want to see basketball players who are pros who just want to be the best version of themselves. Except Royce O'Neal. He's the plus-minus guy at this point. You're plus 37 and you've been the, the Has team anyone leader. else been higher than Royce O'Neal in the very small sample size? No. Every He's game, still he has dude. led the team in plus-minus. This minus. is going to be the number for him. It's not not going to be anything else. Just look at the plus-minus. <laughs> you want to know if the Suns had a good night? Because he's going to play a lot, isn't he? Well, They're going to find him like minutes, yeah. man. Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day. It's going to be noon. It's going to be Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.